Motor Mouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. All right. Let's get to it. You ready to talk about cars? Because that's what we're going to do. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. We'll start out today telling you how you can reach out to us. That's always important with the Motor Mouths. We're car guys. You're a car guy or girl, and uh, we're in a community of, of people who love cars. Those of you listening who are driving a car at the moment or spend a lot of time in your life behind the wheel of a car, this show is for you as well. It's uh, uh, a lot of information we share that we gather from other listeners, uh, that we gather ourselves from not only from our experience, but from some of our, uh, you know, some of the homework that we do. So here's how you reach out to us. 901-683-0989 is the Rick's Powder Coating text line. If you want a question or comment to get up on the board, that's how you do it. Of course, we got the motormouths.com. You can email us through there or you can email me directly at budroar at gmail.com. And you can hang out with me every Monday night on twitch.tv slash thorty undead. I, uh, I usually play Car Mechanic Simulator. We sit around, we talk cars. I pull up videos and uh, kind of go over those and just talk about all the nonsense I see online, uh, you know, uh, idiots in cars, that kind of thing. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Bud Motormouth. I'm on Twitter at I Am Ditch. So let's get to it, Bud. we got a lot to talk about from uh, uh, questions and comments to some experience we've had this week yeah, with our cars. We got an email from a helpful listener named Thomas. After listening to us talk to Steve about his Land Rover that he imported from Spain, it was a Series 2 with a diesel in it. He brings it over here and uh, ends up leaving the gas cap off of it, the cap from the diesel tank off of it. Yeah, and he, was, he was doing the right thing. He was putting clean fuel in it. He was running it regularly to keep it up. And but he left town. Yeah. And he forgot to put the gas, uh, the cap back on the tank and uh, the diesel tank. And uh, he got home from his three-week vacation and it wouldn't start. Too and much, now, too much water in the tank. It looked right. like sounds and, like uh, moisture in the tank because that's and, one thing that diesel loves is moisture. Absolutely. So uh, anyway, we got this email and he says that it has a CAV injection pump. We were talking about the fuel delivery and all that. Okay. And he said that it's likely the uh, water may, formed a blob at the bottom of the tank, and that's probably what's clogging the lines. So, the blob. <laughs> yeah. So that that <laughs> still stands to reason. You need to get all the all the fuel out of there is, that, is where to start. And, essentially, that's what we we had instructed him to siphon that thing out, get yeah. all of it out. And and he also said you can get these CAV pumps rebuilt locally. So it's likely he's going to have to go through that process. That's what I would probably do just to be safe. Anyway, this I, was this was a Land Rover Series 2. It's the old it's the old school Land Rover. It looks like Safari. It's got, the big, it's got that iconic tire on the hood, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. But uh, I also wanted to follow up on something you said, Ditch. Um, you mentioned you were burning through oxygen sensors. And you're... Uh, how, how's your truck doing, by the so, way? How many miles are we up to? I have a 2004 Dodge Ram 1500, uh, and it has 307,000 miles on it. And it's still kicking. And it is still kicking, man. I'm still here. I, I get to work today. Kind, kind of literally. Have you fixed the brake rotors yet? That has been repaired, so it so doesn't... So it's not so much kicking anymore. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't rattle you to death when I push on the brakes, because I got the rear rotors. I replaced those. Uh, got a couple of tires on the rear that I picked up from the junkyard, which I'll go get a couple more for the front this weekend. Uh, because, listen, as I just said, it's a 2004. It's got 307,000 miles on it. I'm trying to put as little as money into it as possible because I know it's its days are numbered. It's in hospice care. But I get this gray-white smoke 
uh, if I've if it's been idling for a while at a traffic light or if I'm out in the parking lot letting, sitting there running while I'm talking with Bud or something, and then as I give it the gas to leave, blast of smoke comes out of it. Oh, man. And I'm replacing these oxygen sensor uh, quite a bit. Also, the air intake sensor, which is in the air intake housing on the top of the motor, I'm replacing that. I finally just said enough. I'm not going to keep replacing these. So I asked Bud, why do I have to keep replacing this oxygen sensor? Yeah, and it didn't hit me quite right away but as soon as we wrapped the show last week i got in the car and i was i was like oh there it is so three hundred thousand miles motor's never been rebuilt mm-hmm. you're are you burning oil well okay let me rephrase my question how much oil are you burning <laughs> i could easily put a quart a week in that thing yeah that's what's destroying your oxygen sensor so basically what it is is over time the piston rings get worn out, and they've been running in that motor for 300-plus thousand miles. So the blow, they call it blow-by. Um, well, the blow-by really refers to the combustion chamber getting into the oil. But basically what it is is the, the pistons ride on a thin layer of oil inside the cylinder, and that oil gets past those piston rings ever so slightly. Well, as the piston rings wear out, more oil gets past them. Mm. And so that's what that's one of the reasons you're burning more oil. All that burned oil is fouling your oxygen sensors. So there's really nothing you can do about it outside of rebuilding the engine, but at least you have an explanation and you know to expect it, I suppose. And the next follow the follow-up question is uh with that knowledge I don't seem to be, you know, burning more oil now than I was like a year ago. It's made about the, how long, how, what, what's the life of this thing at this point? Any I, idea? I, and, until it dies. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't tell you. Um, you know, I, I you hear these stories about motors that go to 500,000 miles without being rebuilt. It, it, it just, it's just not going to be as efficient or clean as it used to be. But it'll, it'll keep working until something fails in that system and your engine seizes up or you know breaks you throw a rod or something is there like that. anything that can be done any a treatment that you can put in there you know i've always heard don't put some of these these blobs that go in that seal you know gaskets up and stuff oh, like yeah, that no ga- like gasket maker yeah. or no not gasket maker but a, a stop leak yeah that stuff never put i never put that in anything okay. i own ever it's just it's going to lead to more problems the uh mechanic in a bottle they call that yeah and it's right, ter- right. terrible idea so just let it go the way it is i mean you're just gonna have to keep pouring oil in it the, the only thing like you would really be able to do would be to completely disassemble the engine and replace the piston rings it, it's that's that's really yeah. what that's really what it is. You're 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 getting oil. So if I'm bored one weekend and I chamber. decide I want to dive into a a, a fixer upper job, that's what you suggest. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I I mean, realistically, you can get a rebuild kit for probably three to five hundred bucks. The rebuild kit for my Cherokee when I rebuilt the little four cylinder on my Cherokee, the rebuild kit which came with uh, bearings, it came with new piston rings, uh, all the all the gaskets. Uh, that whole thing was about three hundred bucks. And I, at the same time, I bought new heads, a, a new head. It was only one V8 like yours would have two heads. Uh, if you're doing an engine rebuild, that's one of the, you're, it's gonna, you're gonna start to open up the, the can of worms here, uh, doing an engine rebuild. And I just don't know if it's really worth it. If you if you had if, if you're if everything about the truck was like immaculate, I would say it might be worth it. Listen, but dude, this is a work truck. Yeah, I, I, there's no love lost with this thing. It's it's done me well. I'm not gonna lie. And why one reason I like it is because it's it is fairly simple to work on. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of room in that engine room, compartment. Yep. You know, it, there's not a lot of crap cra- uh, crammed in the engine compartment. 
Uh, that's why I like it. And there's also a lot of them at junkyards around here. So when I need parts, I can a number of three different junkyards to go to. And yeah, I remember the time of, the time we went, there was like three of them scattered yeah, around the yard. So right, I get right, it. Right next to each other. So, But it definitely, I would definitely not say it's worth, I mean, if you had the time and the resources, why not? But I mean, you're going to spend, you're going to spend a thousand bucks rebuilding the engine and it's just not worth it. Um, One other thing about this that I'm starting to notice, and this may, the transmission may go out before the engine. Now I'm starting to notice when I put it in gear, there's sort of, it's a hard, it, it, I can't describe it. And I know you don't like sounds. Uh, let's just let you get in it and do it yourself to feel it. But it feels like it, it, it gets into reverse or to drive. You kind of hear this. It, it's, it's, it's not, it's not soft. It's, you notice it. You shouldn't notice it. Is there a it. delay before it starts to yes. move? Oh yeah. That, that big tells, time. I would bet your clutch packs are probably done in. That's, that's basically what happened to my Jeep. Uh, the, the, so there's like a series of clutches in your automatic transmission and, um, they, they start to slip. It could be that, or it could be something in the, it's all hydraulically driven. There's mm -hmm. like a, um, there's like a hydraulic system that lives inside the automatic transmission. Those, there's like check balls in there and stuff like that. Those start to go bad. But, um, yeah, that might be, that might be the death knell. For your for yeah. your truck, finally. But but with this truck, every time you say that, it goes another five thousand miles. Right so I don't now, know I'm saying you. that, and my truck's outside saying, "Yeah, I'll show him." Right? <laughs> <laughs> He'll so. hear you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, that that's the deal on the oxygen sensors, yeah. and I'm burning oil. So yeah, yeah. And you're just and you're and you're following up those. All sensors of which and, I knew, except yeah. <laughs> for I didn't know why. At least the, least, uh, at least you can put the cause with the effects. Yeah, you that's know? it. That's important. Um, so I got we got a couple other texts here that came in through the Rick's powder coating text line again six eight three zero ninety eight nine. So uh, Ken said you have a bunch of cars. Doesn't the insurance and the tags get expensive? And you know I have I've talked about it on the show here. I've got seven eight cars. I lose count sometimes. Uh, I don't I don't have them all tagged and insured. I I'm not. I, I wish, but uh, well, so don't you do the insurance thing where you put it on? Uh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was getting to that. The okay. uh, 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 storage mode. Storage, yeah. So I, I only have two of my cars tagged, and um, okay. what one of them right now, my HHR is in the backyard. What what you can do is you can call your insurance company and say, hey, I'm not going to be driving this car. It's in a secure location. Uh, put it in storage mode. And what it is is I pay forty percent of my policy for that car because they know I'm not going to be driving it. And it's really important to do that and not just take it off your insurance completely because state of Tennessee, like many states in the country, doesn't like it when you have tags and no insurance. They don't appreciate that. They don't want you driving around with no insurance on your car. So if, they will actually penalize you for having a tag without an insurance policy on the car. And then you can get your license blocked. It's a big pain and uh, don't recommend it. But that, so I have that going. But um, th this is this comes back to kind of a joke I've I've heard from I got this from Hoovy's Garage, and I, I I it's not even really a joke. It's more it's really true. Um, if you have a a bunch of cars and they are maintained and you can hop in any one of them and drive them, that is a collection. You are a car collector and you have a collection of cars. If you have a bunch of projects that are waiting and you keep buying more projects and you have all these cars and they're not exactly ready to drive, that's called a hoard. And <laughs> I've accepted yeah. I've accepted my place in life. It's fine. And uh, So, well, the question now is how many of those cars that you have, uh, two of them are tagged, yep. the others are not. How many of them could you jump in today and drive off in? Five. Five of the seven. Yeah, so okay. so my, my, my 1950 Willys needs carburetor work. My my Matador, I 
technically could, but it wouldn't be safe, so I don't count that. And the, the Marauder, I could drive it, but it's actually it's not starting right now. That's something I have to address when I go back up to Chicago. It's uh, it's been sitting. I think it's I think the gas just went bad. There was only like a gallon left in it, so it probably some of it evaporated. It's probably got some moisture in there, so I'm having that same issue. Let's for a minute while we're on this about storage cars. Uh, what what should you do about fluids in them? Well, you definitely get some fuel stabilizer. Okay. It prevents gas from absorbing moisture. If you're if you're going to leave the same fuel in there uh, for more than like six months, then definitely put fuel stabilizer in there. Um, if it's been more than a year, probably change the oil. It it may or may not be necessary. There's probably a lot of schools of thought on this, and there's um, me personally, I just change the oil if it's been sitting more than a year. I still start it and run the car. Uh, but you, you should you should probably do the oil coolant. Pro probably fine. Wouldn't hurt to change it. Um, you know, power steering fluid. I don't think I ever changed that on purpose. And uh, yeah. brake brake fluid, kind of the same thing. It's not going to be a huge deal. But the uh, definitely definitely just do an oil change. It's it it. You probably could start the car and drive it, and everything would be fine. But why take that risk? If you're storing the car, you probably care about it a little bit. So I got one more. We got one more text here I wanted to address. Right. Uh, this is from Dylan. He says, what other items are good to get from the junkyard? What about glass? So glass is something that I uh, – is actually, that's a great question, Dylan, and it's really inexpensive from a junkyard, and especially these days with car break-ins the way they go. Yeah, that's, and I most, imagine that's where this, is, this question is coming right, from. Right, and most of it is the driver's side or passenger side window. Now, here's a little trick about, about getting the, the glass out of cars from junkyards. Of course, you have to take the door panel off. Most cars these days, and the I will say even those found in junkyards, are uh, powered electronically. Right. The, the crank is, is, you know. It's a motor. Yep. Uh, so what do you do? How do you get the, the window if it's down? I had to get a window for my daughter's Nissan Xterra, and the window was about halfway open. And... Um, so to get it out, what I use is I use my 18-volt battery pack for my drill. Uh -huh. You get alligator clips. You attach the alligator clips to the uh, positive and negative on, the, on the, the, the battery. And once you've taken the door panel off the car and you've accessed the window motor... You connect it to the uh, points that's and on the motor. Just give it enough juice to run it up. All you got to do is is uh, connect. Well, it's it. got to be like halfway up to get the window out, usually, right? Yep. And and uh, in or, or yeah, halfway up or in this case, halfway down. Either way, but yeah, you got to get it to that point so that you can access the connections of the window and the, where and the to, frame holds to the it. Uh, to the uh, regulator. Yeah, and so it works great. Um, and that's that's a little trick that I uh, a buddy of mine told me about getting. He's like, you know what? I mean, you're gonna pay 15 bucks for a piece of glass. So you go to one of these shops; they're gonna charge you 100 plus. Plus now yeah. even more probably. Yeah. The, so I, I had I had a similar thing with my my Marauder. Um, I had a window break. My my driver's side window was broken, but I went to one of those junkyards where they they pull it for you, and yeah. I just bought it off the place for like 100 bucks. But uh, the, only, the only some thing of them will, but it's a lot cheaper if you do it yourself. Right. And yeah, it doesn't yeah. take that much time. Once you've identified the car on the glass that you want um, that fits, it's, it's per, like I said, it, this took me, I'll bet you 20 minutes tops. That was to get the panel off the door, uh, get all of the, uh, you know, those, those door panels have a lot of screws and a lot of clips in them. It's kind of a pain in the butt. But once you get that off uh, and you get access to uh, 
to the window, the, the motor and the regulator and all that, you connect your battery with these alligator clips, which you can get at a auto parts store for real yeah, And cheap. you can also, some of them you can manually crank. They'll have a knob on them or something like that. But uh, yeah, uh, it, so. just, it just depends. Or you can hook your, you can just plug your drill in and, and, and screw it. But uh, it, it just depends on the make and the model and, and where the window is when you, when you need to get key. access to it. Get in the window in the right position to get to it. Right. So, uh, and then also, what other items we can get from the junkyard? I actually, while we were there, I picked up a lock actuator for my tailgate. Uh, that was something I needed. A new one would have cost me a hundred bucks. I got one for like thirteen out of the back of this other Jeep. That was that's a pretty good one to get. Um, I mean, relays and fuses; those are easy enough uh, to replace. You know Although what? those, I don't mind getting new for relays. It's funny too because if you go to the junkyard as much as I do, you 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 start to see there there's there's. There are things that uh, on cars that get picked immediately, and I think there are guys that probably go around and just do this and then and then sell like them, resell like on, the parts on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, headlights, you go on, you go tail on, lights. You go on some of these like eBay pages and yeah. on Facebook, and these guys are they're selling a hundred parts. Right. They've got I got a ton of posts for this and, stuff, and they'll go to a junkyard and they'll get a headlight uh, or a tail light lens or as Bud said, even stuff like fuses, things like um, your window washer caps. Uh, the hood lifts, it, like, because your hood lifts, those little hydraulic lifts that hold yeah. your hood up, those things go out over time. Dude, it took me, I don't know how long, to find a truck at all these junkyards with hood lifts for my truck. Uh, finally, I found one that hadn't gotten picked. These are things that the, when when the truck or car gets dropped at the lot, and like me, I get text message notices. I sign up for the notices from the junkyard, and you can tell it what year, what model Yeah, let's, car. let's expand on that. These, these, these... Junkyards actually will post online what car right. came in and the condition, right? What, exactly, and pictures. And uh, some of them do pictures, some don't. But you can, uh, that way you get alerted. So, like, just yesterday I got an alert about a 2004 Dodge Ram at this junkyard. I told Bud before we started today, I got to go to the junkyard. There's a, there's a new one. Because what happens is these uh, junkyard rats, they go and they, they pick these parts off of them, the parts that everybody wants. wants. Again, the 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 hood lifts, the uh, the headlights, the fuses that you're talking about, things like caps for uh, the washer fluids. You see these things that they're easy to get off. They don't take a lot of tools, and these guys will go and take all those things off of them, and then put them online and sell them for a few more bucks than what they paid. Uh, but those fuse boxes go. Be interested to see what their what their profit margin looks like, yeah. especially for time invested. That's a lot of time spent. Uh, but if you figure you know a new car rolling in, you you hit like five or six cars. Uh, what a week, a day? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what their rate would be, but that's in, like like the rate of cars coming through that they're accessing. I'd be interested in seeing the the data on that. And then there's a lot of interior stuff you can get off of cars. Now, um, you know, uh, I got some few things from my daughter's Xterra when she had it before she totaled it. <clears throat> but um, you could get there's a lot of interior stuff that you get that people don't really pay attention to. And again, there are so. Plenty of cars at junkyards that the interior is wasted, and primarily because of the rain. Right, because they the windows because someone picked the window off yep, it and exactly. it's, it's exposed. Yeah, the uh, you know I got the carpet out of my Cherokee from uh, it wasn't really a junkyard. It was there's this this Jeep place up in Chicago that I would go to, and they'd been there for like 50 years, and they had a bunch of they would buy up old Jeeps and they would just leave them out back for pickers. And uh, I got my carpet the tailgate had been removed from this thing and I got the both the headliner and the carpet out of this Jeep and I what I what I was fortunate enough to do and was smart enough was I um I, I shampooed it before I oh, yeah. before I um, put it in my Jeep and it was it was fine but I don't think it had been exposed to the elements all that long. The, listen, there's one other point I'll make about uh, cars parts from junkyards. Uh, auto uh, body parts. I uh, I tell you, you see a lot of cars in Memphis driving around without the front 
bumper where they've rear-ended somebody and they maybe got the insurance money and didn't use it for what it was to be used for. Right. Those were, th- those, I've had two bumpers I've had to replace on my truck, one in the rear and, and the front one, and I got them off trucks at junkyards, and they you don't even know it. I mean, and it's cheap. Yeah, it's and really, if you're lucky enough to get one that's the same color. Exactly. And it's going to be the same factory color with the same amount of fading. Yep. And, and uh, from the from the sunlight beating on it. So, uh, so it'd be pretty seamless. Anything, anything, when that car gets on the lot and it's it's registered and it's and it's out there to be picked, anything is fair game on those on those cars. Oh, yeah. First come, first serve. First, and, and you wouldn't believe the things that not only do people leave in their cars, but apparently when the car gets either repossessed or... However, it ends up at the junkyard, and people's life is in these things. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've looked through journals that people have kept, and uh, uh, it's the stories I could tell you for days, some of the stories behind the people who left the car behind, and it ended up getting towed and somehow ended up at the junkyard, and all of their stuff is in the car. Cell phones, like I said, credit cards, debit cards, all wow. of those things, man. Just all, kind, just all yeah. kinds of this, that, and the other. Interesting. I'd be interested in checking, like, suspension parts. Like, how many times have you heard the story where it was like, man, I got all this work done, and then I got into an accident, and I had to junk the car. Uh, you know, the car gets rear-ended with brand-new suspension parts puts on, put on the front. But I would, if you're going to get suspension parts, I would definitely be wary of any any dried or cracked right. rubber. There's but, a, uh, there, I guess maybe the question would be, what shouldn't you get at a junkyard? And for oh, me, yeah. there's, there's things like brake parts that yeah, I won't yeah, get. Yeah, I avoid that. Yeah, I avoid some of those things, that's for sure. So... Uh, good question, man. We appreciate it. All right, we're coming back. We're going to talk about we got some we got some jeeps, some concept jeeps oh, that that, that, yeah. that were uh, brought to this uh, this meetup out in Utah. Absolutely, and we'll also talk about your dream car. Money is no object. It's all on the way. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud, and we are the Motor Mouths. More horsepower than a BMW Isetta. The Motor Mouths. Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9. All right, we're going to keep talking about cars. Thanks for listening, and uh, we hope you're enjoying it. If you got some input for us, uh, don't hesitate. 901-683-0989 is our Rick's Powder Coating text line, of course, all over social media. Hit us up on themotormouths.com. Email us there, or you can find me on Twitter at Bud Motormouth. On Twitter, I am Ditch. So we've got the oxygen sensor stuff out of the way. I know now uh, the amount of oil I'm burning is the reason for that. Let's move on to something else that everybody should know about their car. And and we're going to refer to some internet video for this. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, th- th- there's another one of these videos uh, circuit of just a horrific accident. And look, I'm not necessarily enjoying encouraging people to look at car accident videos. Definitely a viewer discretion. It's harsh. Yeah, viewer discretion advised. It's not it's not great, but it does it is a constant reminder that what we, you know, when we're driving, that is a very dangerous activity we're taking part in and wear your darn seatbelt. This particular video, it looks like it comes out of out of Europe, this guy uh, gets gets T-boned and then smashed into another car and gets thrown from the car with his seat. So he's getting clobbered twice. First, he gets T-boned in an intersection, and, and then, then a car throws from him the into an, throws him into direction. another car. Yeah. yeah, and the whole act spins his car and sends him and his driver's seat out the door. The seat of the car, right with him, which tells me he wasn't wearing his seatbelt because while those bolts holding the seat down probably aren't aren't that aren't that 
tough. The bolts that are holding your seatbelt down, they have these crazy ratings that are they're oh, meant the to handle. Bolts? Yeah, the, the actual bolts that hold your seatbelt down. You'll notice when you take when you take an interior apart, those things are massive. I think it's something like they're supposed to be rated for a force of like 9,000 pounds. And they're meant to withstand stuff like this. So, the, you know, I've, I've heard it said in the past uh, in a lot of these like driving safety videos, you know, um, it's presented as like the myth versus the fact. People, people will say like, oh, I, I'd, you know, I'd want to be thrown from the car, so I'm away from all the, all the danger. And it's like, no, you want to stay in the car where you're surrounded by a steel cage. <laughs> I think this is a good time to bring something up, bud. You, you address this on your Twitch the other night when you were, uh, when you were online and you were, you were showing video of an old car and a newer car colliding. Right. Yeah, I know, Ditch, how I've uh, brought up how I uh, do my Twitch stream three nights a week. Mondays, I do Car Mechanic Simulator. Twitch is a gaming platform, so it's great to set the tone for autom automotive discussion. But now, as more and more people have been showing up and we're talking cars, the stream has really turned into more of me reacting to car videos and talking about this kind of stuff in real time with folks. But anyway, yeah, this video you're talking about, it's a 59 it's a 59 Bel Air hitting a I think 2009 Malibu. It was uh, an insurance an insurance agency put those together, put that 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 test together to demonstrate how far cars have come in 50 years in terms of safety regulations and all of that. So the reason we bring all this up is because when you say, well, man, cars just aren't built the way they used to. They used to be built like a tank. Right. They, this proved that actually no, wrong. No, no. They, they were they were made out of hollow sheet metal, yeah. and they didn't have uh, structural um, no engineering yeah. to, to withstand impact. And also, it, it, in fairness to the guys designing cars in the 50s, there were quite fewer cars on the road. Granted, accidents were still happening, and they were usually, uh, I, I wouldn't say usually, but they were a lot more likely to end in catastrophe because they weren't building. I mean, seatbelts weren't like a norm in cars until like the 60s. So how far we've come in terms of safety is, is you know, nothing and short of a miracle when you think about surprisingly, it. Surprisingly, the Malibu, the driver that was behind the, the dummy that was behind the wheel of the Malibu, he, he, the steering column did not go through his neck. It did not. But the guy <laughs> in the 59, it definitely did. And that, that thing, that thing becomes a missile that's aimed right at your chest. But yeah, this, this it's a funny visual, but it's not. It, it's not. But it's, I mean, what is it? Humorous tragedy plus time. Yeah. But anyway, this is a another, this video, I'll retweet this, you know, viewer discretion advised. Again, watching these videos, I don't, I don't necessarily like sharing this kind of stuff. I'm not trying to be like, hey, look at this. Isn't this funny? No, it's terrifying. And this is just a constant reminder that, you know, when you think about it, Ditch, when you really think about it, driving is probably the most dangerous thing you do on a daily no basis. Question. Take that away. Now, I, I, now I've, I know there's some guys, you know, there's linemen out there and uh, there's guys working some very dangerous jobs and they're laughing at me right now like, like, no, that's probably one of the safer things. But the average, I would say the average citizen in the U.S., the most dangerous thing you do every day is get into a car. That's that's a great point, and it's it is telling when you watch this video. This guy flies out of the car; his body goes limp. The seat of his car flies out with him. He's not attached to the seat, by the and, way. And and looking at this whole thing, if he had been wearing a seatbelt, he probably would have would not have been ejected from, from the car. Yeah. Either. And, uh, you know, that, that does bring up a good point, kind of back to what we were talking about, Ditch. I would probably avoid getting seatbelts 
from a car at the junkyard, that's another product I would get new. It, yeah. Just go spend the money. Seatbelts are expensive. I've seen that. They they are not cheap, but don't go. That's another one of those things. Don't go cheap on your seatbelts because, um, I mean, th- their integrity may have been compromised if that car at the car at the junkyard was in an accident. So um, that's what that's another product I would get. Go get a new one. Don't 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 go cheap on your on your seatbelts. But um, on the lighter side of things, uh, there's this other video circulating. This guy. Uh, this guy in a 1,000 horsepower McLaren gets smoked by a Tesla. Can you say, can you say that again? What would you say? I said, I'll smoke Brooks in that 765. Uh, against the Tesla? Against the Tesla. Uh, okay. Yeah, so these guys get on the track and the Tesla. Uh, I learned this on my Twitch stream from one of my viewers. He sent him to Gapplebee's. <laughs> it's the it's Tesla actually, smokes it, man. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, off the line, they're so fast because it's well, electric. It's, it's all torque. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, it's this is another one. It's so it's just so funny, and it's such a shame because I like McLarens. But they're I'm cool cars. I'm surprised the McLaren didn't catch up to it. I, I imagine maybe in the long run it might, but I I don't know. I'd have to see. I'd have to see. They only do the quarter mile, and the guy okay. the guy loses. And on on McLarens, uh, remember we talked about uh, that YouTuber I watched, Tavarish, who's rebuilding that two million dollar P one that was in the Miami flood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he released another video. There's more updates. It looks like the engine survived, but the video starts with him pulling the drain plug, and nothing but clear water comes pouring out of uh. it. And the real tragedy is is because when when that kind of thing happens and it goes through insurance and all that the 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 car has to sit in a warehouse for weeks on end until somebody buys it and starts taking it apart so i would imagine that if you if that happened the car got flooded if the owner had immediately handed it over to a shop and been like you know get to work on this thing a lot more of the parts would have survived but because it had to sit with all that salt water in it for weeks on end, he probably lost a lot more of the car. But uh, he ran a scope in there. It looks like the motor didn't didn't crack or get get uh, you know it didn't tear up the. No one tried to start it, so it didn't tear up That's the good. cylinders or anything like that with sand. So there's there's more updates there. I'm kind of keeping an eye on that. That that whole thing, you know, I watched him rebuild his 675 LT over the course of like two years, right before he blew the motor. Which, by the way, I look, uh, I watched an interview with him. He blew the motor because he tried to uh, increase the power. He tried to turn up the boost on the turbos, and it turns out that particular 675 LT, that motor is made to be as light as possible. So they 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 stretched thin. Oh wow. uh, They went really close to the wire on the materials. So he threw a rod almost immediately when Screwed he put too much boost on it. On it. Yeah. yeah, so it's all his own fault, but uh, I'll 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 keep updating you on that. That's that's just one of those I kind of like uh, I kind of like watching that guy's progress. He's a maniac, but uh, one thing and- one thing I, I let's let's bring up this. This is uh, you know, we talk about things that you should you should do. One thing you should do is wear your seatbelt. Yes. Uh, but there's also something else another uh, TikTok video you came across with a guy who has a what appears to be a really cool emergency battery? Oh yeah, so talking about like keeping, you know, we, we, people have asked us in the past what are like some emergency uh, products you keep in the car, like you know, uh, do you keep a jump box? You know, obviously cables. Um, you know, uh, fix a flat. If you, I, I, my, my, my attitude towards fix a flat is Don't. only, only if you're going on like an overland, like you're going across the Western United States and you're going to have a hundred miles in every direction before there's help, then maybe have a can of fix a flat in the car. But if you're, if you're local, like we are here, there's no reason to use fix a flat. Just, just put the spare tire on it, get it to a tire shop and because 
they're not going to be able to fix your tire. But I was going to say it messes it up. Yeah, it? but this uh, there's other there's other things too. And again, this this would definitely fit that bill of if you're like driving from here to California. Is this guy keeps a it's this thing called a Batterix. It's a little credit card sized battery. It's an it's an emergency charge for your phone basically. So if you're in the middle of nowhere, your car is dead. This might be more useful for like Tesla owners. Um, <laughs> your car is dead. You can't charge your battery, and your phone battery is dead. It's a it's it provides up to like a three hour charge for your for your phone got like a seven-year shelf life so you can so you leave just, this in your you just throw it in your yeah. just throw it in your glove box and it's there if you need it tool man tim introduces us to this and this thing is a one-time you you can only use it once right yeah it but but it's a it's it's an emergent it's supposed to be for like an emergency charge so it's 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 there for emergencies so i think that's a, that's another thing to keep in your emergency kit all right, so Ditch, I was asked during my Twitch stream, what would be your now we've talked about like dream cars before, but like what's your money is no object car? Like you if you could have it and and it, you you assuming you could get the maintenance for it and have it well taken care of, what would it be? And I got I got a couple of answers and this is a question for anyone out there. What is your money is no object? I can have it. It'll be in my garage. I can drive it forever car and and uh for fun for daily driving whatever the case may be uh i would assume if it's a, if it's a money's no object you could daily drive your mclaren but you know uh just just what's your what is your i i, I would if i could it'll uh, be car. interesting too to see what people respond with because sometimes it's not money doesn't have to necessarily be for me it'd be a probably an old cutlass 88 yeah um, I loved those cars, uh, the 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 Cutlass Supreme, the the G Coupe, I think that it was. And I've got a neighbor who has one that's just collecting dust in her carport, and I keep thinking about stopping and asking her what she wants for it. But that wouldn't cost, you know. That, I'm not going broke with that car. And then there's the other spectrum of it, yeah, where it's gonna uh, yeah. it's the, just the ultimate two million dollar McLaren. Yeah. My fir my first answer was like a Duesenberg, but it's I've never actually ridden in one, so I don't even know if I'd like it. You know, I've the first time I drove a Packard, it was amazing because I'd, I'd grown up around that car. But they're not exactly the most fun vehicle to drive, all those old '30s cars. But still, love to have like an old like '32 Packard, like that. That era was they were so gorgeous, some of the best looking cars ever yeah. on the road. But I would want to motor swap it with something more reliable. And you're not supposed to motor swap those cars. People get mad. But I would I would probably want to do that. I got a whole I got a whole list of cars I could probably go through. But uh, first, I do want to talk about this Jalopnik article that came out. So they had the Easter Jeep Safari. They do this thing every year in Utah, and Jeep brought seven concept cars. And it makes me mad when I see Jeep concepts because they never make these darn things. They I remember when I was a kid, they had the Jeepster, and it was a really wide, low, almost looked like almost like looks like someone took a Jeep, uh, like a Wrangler and stepped on it, like squished it down. Oh, yeah, but it was like very yeah, yeah. sporty. It was super cool. And they never made it but it look it look and i remember i remember my uncle ted saying they're never gonna like we saw the con you know you go to the, the auto show and they've got the concepts there and he looks at it and goes they're never gonna make that car i'm like why and he goes his, his reasoning was so funny he goes well you see how they put the the exhaust pipes in the middle yeah they never make cars where they put the exhaust Doesn't pipes in the middle, middle. Yeah. now this is of course this was of course like like 1997 or something like that but i'm sure i'm sure that that's been that's not exactly the case but i just i always remember that one of those one of those core memories from being a kid but some of these cars look freaking awesome and i totally want one i shared a picture earlier this week of the scrambler um it's this like neon green little two-door like like short bed pickup style and the thing's got a massive 6.7 uh 6.4 liter hemi in it neon green uh, yeah massive 37 inch tires like it's awesome and uh, this this is one of those if they make it i can't I'm, I'm i'm gonna have to try and probably get one <laughs> that's that's what's what interesting about these and this uh this scrambler concept you're talking about these would actually sell Oh, I mean, immediately. Sometimes you wonder why didn't why is a Scrambler 392 just some weird CJ8 concept? Why don't they actually produce the damn thing? 
What's I, holding I, I, them back? I wonder what the safety regulations have to do with it, because this thing does not have doors. It doesn't even look like it has hinges for doors. Like, this is definitely an off-road like an off road toy. It's, yeah. it's, it's not something I, I it, definitely couldn't... Uh, I mean, I don't know. How much modification would you really have to make to, to, to produce this thing for... Street driving. Well, it's 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 described as a short bed pickup built from Wrangler's granddaddy. This version is a 6.4 liter Hemi V8 and bodywork that started out from the four door Wrangler Rubicon. Right, but it doesn't look anything like that to me. Yeah, holds a badass body. The front end, it, it very much looks like a, like a squished in gladiator, like a shortened gladiator. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I would actually, you know, I've come around on those gladiators, especially after I got to drive that. Um, that 3.0 diesel that that we that we had come here for that yeah. uh, for the, when we were doing sweet ride of the week back then, uh, that thing was awesome and it had massive sidewalls on the tires and it, it hit 90 like it wasn't even trying. Another one in here and this one this one I absolutely money's no object please give me this car is a 1978 Jeep Cherokee 4XE concept. It looks like the old Wagoneers but it's the two it's the two door version. And it's got all the modern amenities. It's got air conditioning. It's got the the nice heads up display and the um the the the. I mean, it's even got an airbag. You know, like it's it's uh, it's very modern on the inside, but the outside looks like it's right out of right out of the seventies. Externally, would, you wouldn't even know it. Wouldn't even. And and it looks and it looks great. Big tires on the side. I'm not a fan of the paint job, but it's that sort of seventies nostalgic look. I'd probably paint it a different color. But uh, it's actually a plug-in hybrid with a uh, with a little turbo four. Uh, 2.0 turbo four cylinder um, with a with a uh, battery power, but I don't even care about all that. I just love the look of this thing, and there's there's something really cool about these like old cars with with the new interior, and that's what that's really what I what I would love to have is the old the old look with the modern interior. I've considered doing this with my uh, my 1950. I do love the old dash, but again, it's got that that solid steel steering column going right down you to know, the uh, the steering box. The thing I like about the 78 Jeep Cherokee concept is it it is it's true to the original. Yes. Because so many of these manufacturers will will reboot, like the Bronco mm-hmm. and uh, some and other... you can see the inspiration, There's but some, it doesn't exactly. really look like it. Right. This does. They literally took the body style and said, all right, that's the body we're going to put on a modern car. I think this thing would absolutely sell. Like, if they put this thing on I the agree. lot, people would people would buy it. And and uh, it probably gets pretty phenomenal gas mileage for the size that it is being a plug. Plug-in hybrids, I, I actually don't really have anything against those. They're not a bad concept. It's driven, uh, mostly the low speeds are driven by the electric motor. It's got a battery in it, but it's also got an engine, so you're not limited and there's no range anxiety in the same way you get with the electric cars. Uh, I still imagine there's there's quite the tragedy when the battery goes bad and you have to get the battery replaced. That was even a problem the Priuses had, and there was a really good video. I always bring this up. Uh, there's this great video by Chris Fix where he uh, kind of showed if it's viable to flip Priuses. Prion? What's the? I don't know if that's the plural. Doesn't matter. Uh, the uh, Prion. <laughs> pre, pre, uh, Prioids. The. Yeah. Uh, but it, what he what he did was he was able to buy the battery delivered to his door for sixteen hundred bucks. He got the car itself with a bad battery. He got it for I think. 2600 2800 this is also probably about five six years ago so again the numbers have probably changed since then but the whole thing he was all into it for i think just over four grand and then he sold it for five so he made about he made about 900 bucks flipping a prius but it was about eight hours of labor to go all the way into this thing you had to basically gut the entire rear interior because the battery lives just uh just in front of the rear axle but um 
as far as these more modern cars, I I don't know if they're making them again. These concepts, who knows how 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 wild the engineering is underneath them? But I don't know how how complicated they're making it to replace these batteries. But you hear the horror stories of the electric cars, like the Teslas. You know, it's a thirty thousand dollar car, and it's twenty five grand for the battery. And these concept cars, it's interesting how they end up on the street. You know, there's a Tesla concept that's here in Memphis at the Edge Museum that yeah. was one of the original concept Teslas. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw that. Um, and I'm just thinking about these all these different Jeeps that are concepts and how many of them will actually become uh, production line cars. I mean, there's a, a Jeep van life Wagoneer concept. Oh, the Overlander. Yeah, yeah. That's, that thing's cool. Why do they have potted plants in there? Did you see that? <laughs> and the, so there's there's... There's a tent on top of this thing. It's this cool triangle-shaped tent that looks like, and you climb up into it from the sunroof. Yeah. And it looks pretty cool. <laughs> but I count, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five. six, seven potted, potted plants. plants. Yeah. Who brings potted plants with them when they're over? That is, I don't know whose idea that was, but they're like, we need a few more potted plants in there. They're not going to, they're not going to, one's going to be sold on this concept. But no, this is, you know, I got to drive one of these, these, these Grand Wagoneers, and it was a fully loaded edition. I mean, these things are upwards of 100 grand, but but they're awesome. They they haul. They've got a massive what was seven point two liter in these. I think they're putting yeah. in them. Massive V eight in these things, and they're it's like effortless. And there's a ton of. I mean, they're basically a competitor for the suburban. There's all the amenities inside and everything. A lot of cool head. You know, the heads up display in that is really cool. The the uh, infotainment and all that. The last one I want to talk about, Ditch, is this thing's kind of cool. And um, I mean, it is electric, but they call it the the Wrangler Magneto three and it's an all electric that is. A, they claim it's 650 horsepower, 900 foot pounds of torque, Woo. and it is. It, it I want to. I want to see some videos of these things in action, and I'll start looking for them if I come across them. I'll, I'll bring it up next week. But to give to give you an idea of what this Wrangler Magneto looks like, it looks like a monster truck without the monster tires. Right. The the, the body style of it looks like something that belongs on those giant monster truck wheels uh, tires that the, you'd see it. You know, Lander Center or whatever, right. crushing cars. It, it does have some pretty massive tires on it, and it, but it's like a little two-door Wrangler, no doors. It looks kind of like that Scrambler, although the Scrambler is a little more stretched. Uh, it's got a longer wheelbase. But I, I, this is one of those, I want to drive it before I completely judge it because, of course, uh, fully electric. And again, fully electric wouldn't be a terrible idea for going to, like, some off-road rallies. If you're not doing some massive Baja 500, you know, long-term, long-distance deal, you're just climbing some rocks. Although, I don't know, the weight might, I, 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 we, we should get some of these uh, off-road guys on here to tell us about it because the weight might be, it might be a problem. I, would th I guess it depends on the terrain you're trying to cross. And this, this Magneto, man. And as you said, 900 pound foot of torque, 650 horsepower. It's all EV, the whole thing. It's not even hybrid. It is 100% yeah, EV. Which means the battery is across the bottom. It's got yep. a very centered, low center of gravity. I'd be interested in, in how this thing actually performs. It looks cool enough. Yeah, but, they, they call um, it, the, the Magneto is called the hot rod of the Jeep family. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be quick. We were talking about just earlier the Tesla. They're, they're quick off the line. So, But with all that torque... I'd be interested in the comparison, and I'm going to do some digging on this because I want I want answers, and I'm sure some of our listeners want answers. How does it perform against the the diesels or just the 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 regular gasoline engines in terms of like rock climbing, mud going, mudding stuff like that? So um, I'm going to kind of keep an eye on that and see see what uh, see where where this actually goes if they actually because again, like I said, there's there's a place for electric cars. The thing that's making everybody mad is this forcing it on the public, saying we're going to replace all your gas soon 
soon as possible. But if they would just, you know, well, again, things like this, this is cool, this is fun. There's a place for this kind of stuff. Laissez-faire marketplace, free marketplace. Build something that people want, that people can afford, and they'll buy it. Right. And, and, it, and it will just work itself out. But instead... Manufacturers are being regulated out of the gasoline car business, the right. combustion engine and, car and it's, business. It's going to cause all kinds of problems. And instead of having cool conversations about ridiculous Wrangler 3.0 magnetos that are that are mud that are mud bogging and and climbing rocks with an electric battery, we're we're dragged into politics yeah. over it. And you know, and people get again, people getting mad about the the whole replacement method. Well, but, it turns people off. They're like, all right, well, the government's trying to force something on me again. You know, I, I give up. I'm I immediately gonna, don't like it. I don't. I don't, want to, I don't want to deal with it. I'm not even going to pay attention to it. So so before we go, before we go ditch, I definitely want to get to some of these dream cars of mine. Because uh, when I was asked this question about, like, what is your money is no object car? I had, like, 12 answers. I couldn't I couldn't keep <laughs> up. And, uh, but the, the, the kind of top ones I have to talk about, I've always had a special place for the 1948 Lincoln Continental. It, uh, it has to be blue as well. Uh, it's just got this really elegant design. It's convertible. It's got, a, like, a big... Proud hood and what year was this? Forty eight. So this is post war. Okay, and uh, it's got a big tuna boat Lincoln Continental. Uh, not not quite to like the the sixties. You know, like what uh, that was. There was the stretched version. Was what uh, Kennedy got shot in was a sixty three Continental. Or you could put but, another car in the trunk. Yeah, it's not that not that quite that size yet. Okay. This is before we hit the the fifties. Uh, that's one that I absolutely have to have. Again, I said a thirty two Packard. The thirty twos, in my opinion, were like the best. I love the I love the big monstrous hoods and the running boards and the big fenders. I'm a big 30s car guy. Uh, but also, uh, uh, kind of cliched, but I would have to have one, a 1959 Cadillac Eldorado with a little, with the giant fins in the back oh, yeah. and the little twin taillights. That would, that would easily be on that, my list. And that was one of those periods where we talk about where cars were, to some degree, it was an engineering of art. Well, yeah, they, they, they were all made, they, they looked great. Again, for all the stuff we were saying about their, their safety or lack thereof. Forget about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's all, you know, that, that, you accept that, but they, they looked amazing. The thing about the the thing about the, your car, money is no object, and it may be a car that uh, you want to drive. Like I said, for me, an '88 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme, because I want a car that I love, uh, that I'm cool and I feel cool, but I can also drive to work every day. Every day, yeah, and it's Something, not going to cost me a million bucks. Yeah, well, again, money's no object. That's right? true. That's yeah. true. I mean, D Jay Leno drove a Duesenberg to work every day, <laughs> you know, because right. because he could. Because uh, he could. You know, we were looking those over on my Twitch stream. There hasn't been a Duesenberg sold for less than a million bucks and in the past like 10 years and again quick reminder monday nights 6 p.m central time i play car mechanic simulator on my twitch stream it's twitch.tv slash thorny undead we talk about cars pretty much throughout the whole stream you can send me videos pictures links and we can talk about it in real time but anyway the duesenbergs and there's only there's only about 500 of them in existence they didn't make a whole lot and uh the duesenberg brothers they made the engine and the chassis and you have sent it to an, uh, a third-party carriage maker to make the rest of the body so they're all very unique, and, and it, you're at the point now, you're in a very exclusive club if you're able to get your hands on one. I think this is a great conversation to carry over next week. What's your money is no object dream car? 901-683-0989 is the Rick's Powder Coating text line. You can message us there, and we'll uh, carry on next week. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths.